Hello, and welcome to the Glossy Beauty Podcast, our weekly show where we discuss the future of the beauty and wellness industries with the people who know them best. I'm your host, Priya Rao, beauty editor at Glossy, and today's guest is influencer Jackie Ina. In this episode, we talk to Jackie about how a career in the military led her to YouTube, the business of inclusivity, and how she evolves her social media approach as platforms continue to change. Hope you enjoy the episode. Today on the Glossy Beauty Podcast, we have beauty influencer and content creator, Jackie Ina. Welcome, Jackie. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. So Jackie, you kind of started your career in um, a roundabout way from the beauty industry. You started in the military. Mm-hmm. How did you find yourself in this wild beauty landscape? Well, technically, if you want to be technical, the beauty life came first. I just wasn't like monetizing or making money or doing it as a career. But I've always since as early as like nine, ten, known that like creatively um, fashion and beauty were always just like my thing. And so when I went on to join the military, it was actually funny because everyone was like, what are you going to do? The girl that's always like made up and done up. And, you know, obviously there's a bunch of stereotypes that pose that, but we won't get into that. But um, beauty was always very much so a part of my life and something that I love partaking and doing in. It's just, I didn't know how to make a living off of it. So there was a point where I was in college and my, my mom is American and my dad is Nigerian. So every Nigerian firstborn daughters like the way that you prove yourself or I guess the way that you make your parents happy is you go to school and you become a doctor or a pharmacist or an engineer or a lawyer or just something prestigious right so I was in my second year of college and I was supposed to be going to school to be a pharmacist and I just like got to a point where I was like I don't know what the hell I'm gonna do with my life but like I can't do this like I, I just was like in school not doing very well at it because my brain just like I don't know what it was like I did so well academically in high school but once I got to college I think I just like snapped I was just like I can't do this anymore I can't do this anymore like I've been so obsessed with academics my entire life and I've never failed and I've always made my parents proud but like now I have to do something for me so this guy that I was dating at the time was in the army and he had just joined the army so he jokingly was like why don't you join the army I was like what bye what the heck I'm gonna do in the army like me me really but then I thought about it and like I really started to like wait well like he gets to do like all these really cool like you know, he gets to meet all these amazing people and he gets to travel the world and he has a purpose. I want to have a purpose. I was like, why can't I do that? I can do that too. So literally like a week later, I went to go talk to a recruiter. And then um, first I went to an Air Force recruiter and the Air Force recruiter wasn't really saying much. So I went next door and I went to the Army recruiter and, you know, I started asking questions and it took me about six months from the time that I first went in and inquired to when I actually joined and then shipped out. So I had, I had some time and I was in my 20s. It wasn't right out of high school. So I had some time to like really, really think about like, are you sure this is something you want to do? And I did it. And it was honestly the best experience ever for me. And I was still very much so <laughs> into wearing makeup and into doing beauty. And in that time frame of while I was serving, that was when I discovered YouTube. That was when YouTube, you know, became a thing. I joined the military in 2008. A year later, 2009 was when the whole beauty world of, of, of YouTube really started to take off. And I wasn't 
trying to get into it in the beginning. It was really my best friend that was like urging me to to start a channel. But I, you know, I was just watching videos and constantly consuming content and recreating the looks that I saw a lot of like white and Asian women doing. And I was making them work for my skin tone. And my best friend was like, why don't you just start a channel too? And after a while, I was like, I guess I could, huh? So then I just did. So Jackie, go back a little bit. When you started that YouTube channel, it was also a way to kind of connect with your friends and family while Absolutely. you were away. Not not really my my friends. If anything, I was kind of embarrassed to see for like my real life friends and family to see it because like back then, if you were a YouTuber in 2009, you're a weirdo. Like you're a freaking weirdo. People are like, you're literally talking to yourself and you're recording the process. Like you're weird. So it wasn't something that I was like, oh guys, like look what I'm doing. It was like something that like I just did in my own little world. But like, I could meet people from all over the country and all over the world that supported me at a time that I really kind of emotionally needed. Because when I started my channel, by that time, I had married the guy that I, you know, started dating while I joined the military and I wasn't happily married. So I I was really kind of looking for a way to creatively, like, I guess, mask what I was going through in my real life. And honestly, YouTube just came at the perfect time because I was really lacking that kind of positivity that I wasn't getting at home in my home life. And I lived in Hawaii. So I lived on a, on a whole practically deserted, not deserted island, but you know, like it felt like it because you don't know anyone. I didn't have a job at the time. So I had all of the time in the world to explore and meet new people and express myself creatively. So when you think about, you know, 10 years ago doing that and how it was really about authentic relationships and meeting new people, how did, when did that start changing and for you to realize it was more of a business or a career? So from the time I started my channel to the time I actually took it serious and I was like, yeah, I can make a career out of this. I'm telling you, it had been like five, six years. Really? So a half a decade. People would not expect that, I think. People would not expect that because... They see what I'm doing now and they see what I have now and they just think that I guess I don't I don't honestly don't know what people think. But I think they just expect that like I just woke up and I'm like, this is where I am now. Hell to the no. Like it took time. It took a lot of strategizing. Like, and these aren't things that are common sense. Like the things that I had to figure out about YouTube, they're not common sense things. It's not like I just was like, oh, well, duh, if you do this, it warrants this result. Like, no, it took me a while to really understand the platform that I have and like what I could actually do with it. And and then plus I still, I think, emotionally struggled with, but what about my parents? But what about my family? But how am I going to make a living for myself? Like I I think a lot of, you know, children of of, immig- of immigrant parents kind of struggle with that because one, you don't want to make it seem like you're taking for granted what they have asked, what your parents, you know, came to this country for. And you don't want them to think you're just la 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 living in your own world. And, you know, I, I kind of struggled with that. But at the same time, it's like I have to do ultimately what makes me happy. And so when I realized, like, you don't have to do what your parents want you to do. You can do what you want to do, even if it means not making a lot of money, even if it means not having a steady flow of income for a while. You can still do it. You just have to work harder. So when I realized that I should probably do that, it had been like five years, five, six years. What were the first brands that kind of approached you and said like, hey, you know, we'd like you to try this product or we'd like to unbox this. Like when they started approaching you, what was your reaction? It took a while for me to have a steady 
uh, I guess, flow of like relationship with brands to where they would constantly send me PR packages and where they would actually have like a, a continuous ongoing relationship with them. I would say within that, I, this is 2019. So I would say 20, maybe 2015, maybe 2016 for me was when I started to get those relationships cultivating regularly and consistently. Because before I felt like there were like one-off opportunities that I would get and then the brands would like not, it wouldn't continue. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't until like maybe four years ago. Talk to us about that experience because, you know, right now those ongoing relationships are, you know, influencers, mega influencers like bread and butter mm-hmm. and people don't want those one-off relationships. Was that the stage that you thought you needed a manager? Did you feel like you could handle it on your own? Like, how are you dealing with all of that? To be honest with you, I had no idea what a manager was up until like two, three years ago. I had no idea. Like I knew that they existed, but like I didn't know what role they play. Like I didn't know at what point do you know you need a manager? I had no idea. So I really was just kind of working with a company that was that acted more like an agency and they weren't really like managing my day to day life. They weren't giving me uh, structural advice on how to manage an actual business. It was just more like they were just like bringing in the deals and I was getting paid and they weren't continuous and I wasn't really cultivating any relationships. And so when I started working with that agency, I started to realize like, wait, how come when I work with the brand, they don't come back and want to work with me again. And so that was when I kind of to feel like I'm not really sure if they're actually doing or playing the role that I think that they actively should. So it's not even like anyone told me or guided me those things. I think I just kind of started to observe how other influencers had that continuous ongoing relationship with brands. And I wasn't getting that. And I didn't know, is it my content? Is it the way that I'm is it the way that I'm, you know, advertising the product? Like, are they just not happy? Or is it just that there's a missing link between who I'm working with and the brands? So I met my now manager, who's sitting right here, Ashley Villa. And I met her like 2016, was it 2016, right? 2015, 2016. So about three years ago. And she actually was my lawyer first. So first and foremost, I was just like, I just need help negotiating contracts because A lot of companies still see that this space is still fairly new. And unfortunately, they take advantage of that. So they go right in and they put all this language. They put all of these these confusing verbiage that basically says, not only are you uploading this Instagram picture, but if we want to use this in a campaign worldwide in every major retailer, we can also do that too. And if you don't know what verbiage to look for, like you just wouldn't know what you're signing. You know, next thing you know, you're plastered on the freaking Fox Hills Mall in LA. You had no idea you even signed up for that. So it's it's crazy. But I, you know, I started working with Ashley and then it wasn't until later on where I started getting into some really awkward situations with brands. And she was just like, dude, you need a manager. And I was like, what even is that? Like, how do I know? Like, when do I know? And she was like, you just, you can't handle the stuff on your own anymore. I think it was the point where it was like, I can't handle this on my own. I can't manage this on my own. And that's when literally you need someone to manage it for you. How do you think that helped change the perception of the longer term deals that you started getting? Oh, it was night and day. It was night and day. I literally remember thinking like, why didn't I do this so long ago? Well, I know I didn't do it so long ago. I probably didn't have very much to manage, but it was just like, oh my God, it was not only a relief because now I have someone else that can 
do the hard part of working with the brands because sometimes when you're an influencer and you're acting as both your own manager, your own scheduler, your own editor, your own content creator, your own, you know, trend forecast, like you're doing all of that on your own, something's going to suffer. And so for me, I felt like I couldn't really sit down and creatively do what I do best, which is make content because I was so stressed out and worrying about answering my emails and, you know, making sure that I I meet deadlines and communicating with them about those deadlines and then getting yelled at because you can't meet the deadline. Like I needed someone to kind of step in and be that third party bridge and then also ensure that like not only is Jackie going to deliver but here's how in the long run how we can continue that relationship going Jackie really liked this product she'd love to incorporate in a future tutorial let's talk about how we can maybe you know um, get a deal going around that way so that's kind of like how my manager has acted and helped shape my career and my business as a bigger picture And not just the day-to-day managing and scheduling of things. You know, she kind of has been the person who helps brands see not only can Jackie do this, but, you know, let's talk about how we can keep this going and do a more widespread partnership. So that's been great. How do you think about content now? Because there's so many more platforms and there's so many more cuts that you have to create, but also much more conversion that you have to deliver. So as you know, like every platform is different. And I think that the way that people consume content on YouTube is completely different than like Instagram and Twitter. So for example, YouTube is, how can I put this? Okay. It's also unique as a beauty influencer because sometimes I feel like the beauty world is its own world. Like what we do is completely different than like what gamers do and what like social commentary people do and what uh, comedy people do. So it's like, it's all very different. But beauty is like, you have to be on your freaking A game. And I mean, it's not that you have to be perfect per se, but it's definitely highly produced content. It's great quality content because you're competing with like millions of other people who want that spot, you know? So you kind of have to be on point all the time. Like I feel like I have to like maintain a certain image in order to be, received well as a beauty influencer and it's kind of like it's it's like a catch-22 it's like I you want to be yourself and you have to find that balance but also let's be real people come here for beauty so you need to be on your a-game you need to be put together you need to be wearing cute stuff it doesn't have to be expensive stuff but you know you kind of want to like put in that extra mile and I think that's why people come they come to see that because they want something that's different from their day-to-day life you know they're probably not used to being always a lot of people who watch my videos some of them don't even makeup they don't even care about makeup they come because they genuinely enjoy one the commentary they enjoy the process and sometimes it's like they're living vicariously so they kind of enjoy that like oh that's so cool to watch I don't feel like doing it but I'm gonna watch her do it you know so that's also kind of cool and then when you have Instagram so Instagram is kind of a little bit more um uh, I would say definitely way more highly produced so you know I mean there's a lot of controversial talk about like face tuning and the the perfect edits and filters like Instagram is even more highly produced and even more perfected you know then you have Instagram stories where I feel like I can walk around wigless with you know my wig cap on and no one cares you know I can just sit down and have like a five minute mukbang no one cares so it really just depends on what I'm doing. There's a whole vibe for what you post on your grid versus what you post on stories. Twitter is like where you just go to talk crap. You know, like Twitter is where you just go to like let loose verbally just 
let it all out and just, you know, really just vent. I feel like Twitter is definitely the platform for venting. So, and then Facebook, you have like your middle-aged, um, you know, what is that called? Midwesterners who watch you. Maybe they are like the family, the, the mom of five who just like doesn't have the time to do all of the makeup stuff, but they like to watch it too. You know, it's a little bit more like a... Facebook, I feel like, is more for, like, families and and moms and a little bit more chill, a little bit less into being a YouTuber themselves. But they want to, like, oh, how does she, like, what concealer does Jackie like? I'll just buy it real quick. You know, they may not buy the whole look, but they'll just, like, take little snippets here and there and incorporate it in their life. So when you think about talking to all of these different audiences Mm -hmm. on so many different platforms, you know, what's your stance? Is it about colorism? Is it about diversity? Is it about women? Like, what do you think resonates the most with these people? I mean, I think it's a combination of all of those things for my channel. And that definitely is somewhat like, okay, so the the DNA of why I started my channel in the first place has always ultimately been making content for people who are often ignored in beauty, you know? And so initially that started with black women. And then as I started to make more videos and my audience started to grow, I realized that like, this isn't just a black woman problem. This is like a global problem as it relates to colorism. And so I've always kept that being the underlying DNA of all of my content. But no matter what, it always has to relate to beauty. So if I'm talking about a, let's see, we'll just throw out something recently that was really controversial, but the whole Jordan Woods, you know, Tristan Thompson thing, um, I actually made a video about that. And I wanted to bring awareness how, even though we have this super controversial, you know, the cheating scandal or whatever, we can, we're not going to talk about who was right and wrong in that. Obviously, it's don't don't sleep with your friends man like we get it we get it not saying that you did but um you know I wanted to bring awareness to how this very powerful and very influential family has oftentimes from my viewpoint um and I spoke on this simply because these are women who have beauty brands themselves and I've had my own encounters with them um speaking about the Kardashians slash Jenners and I wanted to talk about the bigger picture and how you have to be really careful with one how you talk about black women in the spaces that they occupy to how you treat them. And I just talked about and brought awareness to an issue that I felt was a very like you should like, I just got this vibe that a lot of times people in influential places put black women in positions where they have to like worship them. And when I saw the way that that was all playing out, I didn't like it. And so I did a video talking about it and it was actually really well received. And I think that a lot of people were kind of like, wow, like you brought up points that I never would have thought about or I never considered. And the reason why I talked about it is because, like I said, um, Kim and Kylie both have beauty brands themselves. So I felt like it was somewhat relevant to my channel and it was never meant to be like a gossiping video. It was just more or less like just to get the conversation talking and you have to be really careful of the people that you support because if you just go out here and blindly support people because they're pretty and because you like them, I mean, like you just give them more power and you give them more influence to do really, you know, hurtful things. And I just commented on that because I felt like that the way that that whole situation played out and the dynamics of that in a way was harmful to people in my community, you know, and there's been, of course, other things that I've talked about, but I just didn't like how that whole situation played out. And I'll chip, I'll typically do that on my channel. Like if, if a, if a topic doesn't necessarily relate to like makeup per se, 
I'll talk about it, but I'll make it so that it relates to beauty, you know, or I'll talk about like something that a brand owner did or said. So it always, in my opinion, has to relate to beauty because that's obviously why people come. But we get, sometimes we talk about really heavy. I mean, I did a video about skin bleaching. Um, I talked about, you know, Black China doing a line. She was supposed to be like the face of a skin bleaching cream. And Black China is a very prominent figure, and not only in black in the black community, but in pop culture. So I did a video about that. And she has a beauty line herself. So, you know, we, I try to merge the two so that it's just not just about putting on lipstick. It's not just about doing shadow. Nothing wrong with those things, but I want people to also learn things from my videos as much as they can. When you think about that in the collaboration space, that obviously relates back to how you started working with Too Faced Mm -hmm. and, you know, the way that they created their line and their response to diverse shades and foundations. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that was actually a wonderful partnership. I loved working with Too Faced. So for those that may not know that are listening, I got to collaborate with Too Faced Last year to expand their Born This Way line of foundations and we created nine shades and it was a completely uh, like not only just working with them was awesome, but I just love the way that that organically was just like we like working with Jackie. We already have this great relationship. I've, you know, been critical of brands like Too Faced and others in the past about them better representing their products. And because of that, they were like, why don't you just do it with us? And it was like really cool because we had never seen a partnership like that at that time. And we got to do something that I felt like, wow, this is like something that I'm really, really passionate about. And this is something that hits really close to home. I mean, it's great doing lipstick collabs and shadow collabs, you know, like those are all great things, but this was something that was like really special for me. So we got to do that and I got to learn a lot. They got to learn a lot. It was incredible working with them and just to be able to like, do something that I felt was also like for my community as well was really cool. Do you ever worry just about, you know, being so outspoken, being so bold, which is awesome, you know, that that makes people shy away from working with you? Or no. do you think that that's no. emboldens you? That's their own problem. I feel like that's their own problem. For me, like I spent years having to keep my mouth shut. Years. Like people, like I would vent about things that were important to me, but there was a way that I had to say it to not ruffle feathers. I remember one time, and I'll never say who this was, but I remember one time I was working with a beauty brand and I was filming a video for them and they did not want me to say the word dark. It was the strangest thing I ever encountered because I was going to say something like, oh, this looks great on dark skin. And they told me, we don't want to shy away our other audience members. And I was like, uh, do you know how long I've had to be ignored? I think they'll be fine. Like, I was so off put, but of course I couldn't say anything. And I didn't have a manager (laughs) to step in and be like, actually, Jackie's gonna do this. No, Ashley doesn't talk like that. I'm just kidding. But it was just like so many years of having to censor myself or say things a certain way. You know, like in the beginning, and I always tell up and coming influencers this, You cannot say too much too soon because you will, you will push people away. You will turn people off. You need to be careful of that in the beginning when you're just starting because unfortunately there's levels to this. Like you can't just come out throwing punches. People are going to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. You have to kind of find, you almost kind of have to like win people over first, right? And you can talk about those things, but there's a way that you can do it so that people aren't not that they're turned off, I guess, but kind of turned off in a way. So now that I'm, I'm where I am now, I mean, like 10 years in the game and I get I get support for now being outspoken. There's no going back. I'm, I'm now being praised for doing the very things that people used to criticize me for. So 
of course I'm not going to turn around, you know, like, and for me, it's like, I'm just not the influencer for you. And there have been times where we've walked away from partnerships because, you know, maybe the brand didn't like the way that this was communicated or they didn't like the way, you know, maybe I added something funny to a clip and they wanted me to be more serious. And it's like, well, you should know your, you should know who you're hiring, know who you're working with, know your audience. And if you don't like Jackie spin on things and like, you're just not going to work with her. And I, you know, sometimes we have to have those conversations. It's very rare because for the most part, the brands, they know what they're getting into. They know that, I'm me and, I, and I'm funny and I like to be funny about things. And I'm also pretty like, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to, you know, not tell the truth. And they know that. And so for the most part, they're pretty cool with it. What's your overall take on the beauty industry's move toward diversity and inclusivity? Do you think we're, it's really permeating the culture or do you think that we're still far away from that? I think it's a little bit of both. I think that um, a lot of it is very like at this point, we can't ignore it anymore. Like we cannot ignore it anymore. And I think that it's, awesome to see that the audience is kind of like forcing and controlling that wave of what beauty brands do like you can't put together a a concealer or foundation launch and just have 10 shades of beige and get away with it anymore like you can't because people will come for you and they'll drag you to hell and they like we literally see it all the time just people being dragged to the pits of hell because of the little swatches that they posted and they were just terrible you know so unfortunately it's like there's a lot you can't get away with I do think we still have a lot of work to do um specifically to like body positivity I mean I have been pretty vocal about you know some fashion brands that I feel are not very positive as far as like how they market their products, who they market them to looking at their Instagram pages. It's like the same build a body every other post. And it's like, not that there's anything wrong with that. Like if you want to get work done, fine. You know, I've got my boobs done. I'm very vocal about that, but I think that it's gone a little extreme now and I see it, you know, a lot. And I just wish that there was a balance. Like if you want to post the perfect 36, 21 inch waist and 40 inch butt. Like that's cool. But like also post the girl who may not have the most proportionate um, measurements too. you know, maybe post somebody that's a little bit bigger, maybe post somebody that's a little bit top heavy. There's nothing wrong with that. Like I want to see everything. So I think it's just a little like we're, we're getting there. But we still got some work to do. And I think that we definitely even see it with like um, accepting like gender fluidity in beauty, too. Like I would love to see more uh, men in makeup. I would love to see more bearded guys in makeup, you know, just like a little bit of everything. So we're getting there. But we're, we, you know, we, there's always going to be, I think, improvements to be made in beauty. Jackie, when you think about, you know, partnerships beyond product or, you know, campaigns, you also are really selective about, you know, what you do from an activation point of view, whether Mm -hmm. it's a festival or whether it's an event, which is so big in beauty right now. How do you decide whether you go to something like a Coachella or go to something like an Essence and why is it beneficial for you and your audience? I just do what I want. (laughs) It's very, it's very easy. Like I just do what seems fun to me at the time. And I feel like those events and those activations are important because then I get to put a face to the people who support me. So there are more things like, I don't need to do this, but I want to do this. And like, it would just be great to meet people. And, you know, there's just something really motivating about 
being at those types of events. I love doing panels as well. So anytime I can just sit on stage with a bunch of other women and we just have fireside chats and it's very conversational and we get to ask, you know, take questions from the audience. I love doing stuff like that because I feel like not only is it motivating for me, but it's also motivating for the girl in the audience sitting there watching that. And, you know, they get to see firsthand a more conversational way to ask questions from people that they maybe they admire maybe they want to you know aspire to be like so I love them I think it's great for camaraderie and I think it's great for overall morale and they're more like wants I think more than they are needs but I, I love doing them not not all of them but I do love and I quite enjoy them a lot but how do you decide when you don't want to do something I mean it just depends on like like let's say one month I'm just like slammed the travel right and a festival is right in the middle of like two other trips. And I'm like, well, you know, like, can I make it work? If I can make it work, then I can't make it work. You know, I think more, it more or less just depends on what physically I can accommodate. If I can accommodate for it. And if it's something that maybe I've never done before, then I'll try to do it. But it just, ultimately it just really just depends on what my schedule is like that month. It also just depends on, is this an audience that resonates with me? You know, like, is this something that I feel will make sense for me as a brand? Is it on brand for me? If it's not on brand for me, then I'm probably not going to participate. Speaking of brands, Jackie, is that in your own future? Do you think you want to launch your own brand after, you know, all of these collaborations, all of these partnerships? Maybe a little something, something. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm definitely like a freakish perfectionist. So it's going to take a a long time and it's probably going to take a lot of money. (laughs) But yeah, definitely. I mean, I definitely could see myself filling some voids in in the be- in the beauty world. There's definitely some gaps. But yeah, it's kind of, you know, something that in the near future I'm hoping to really really get serious about. And what else do you think you have planned for us this year and into 2020? Ooh, this year into 2020. There's so many things that I'm like my head's not there right now, but like I also wouldn't say no to them either. You know, so I'm I'm pretty open. I'm definitely pretty open to whatever is new and going to keep me challenged because I feel like with YouTube, I already know YouTube like the back of my hand. I'm I'm already, you know, like I not not that I've maxed at YouTube, but I'm kind of like getting to that point where it's like, okay, this is super easy for me now. And like what's the next challenge? Perfect. Thank you so much, Jackie. It was great having you. Thank you for having me. This is so fun. And thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. If you've been enjoying the Glossy Beauty podcast, be sure to rate and review wherever you're listening. And to follow all of Glossy's beauty, wellness, and fashion news, make sure to follow us on social media at Glossy Co. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.